Welcome to the Run Beyond podcast with myself, Jason Schlarb, Jason Brooks. And today we have a special treat. We are joined by Emily Hoggood and Kyle Curtin, both of which are just days after their top 10 finishes at Western States. And so it's a, it's a special honor to have these guys on here, and I'm glad that they're awake and alert, and uh, Emily can't stop s- smiling and laughing, so th- this, is, this is good. So we're excited to have both of you, and, and thank you for joining us, and how, how are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm definitely struggling to make walking look smooth, but really excited and happy with how the weekend went, and good spirits. Uh, just everything uh, as expected after a difficult 100-miler. Yeah, nice. I finally got some sleep. <laughs> so maybe that's why I feel really good. Yeah, you told us that you did like a the, – the night after the race, you, you you had zero sleep and went back out to the track and, and cheered people in and then took a little 20-minute nap is, is, <laughs> before the award <laughs> ceremony. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yep. <laughs> were, were you able to sleep, Kyle? Um, yeah, I, I finished uh, a little after 11 at night locally in Auburn, and um, I was hanging out of the track and, and cheering on for I, another couple hours, and I think we got back to the Airbnb around 2 o'clock or so, and uh, I got a handful of hours of sleep, maybe like three or four, but definitely not a full night's rest before coming back uh, to see the golden hour and award ceremony. And- What's that golden hour like? Is it a pretty energy-filled hour for the race? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, a very hot hour as well. Um, <laughs> and there's some really, really inspiring finishes there just in the last handful of minutes. Some people push it really hard to make it under the cutoff. And in a hot year, just like so depleted. It was pretty inspiring. <clears throat> yeah, I saw the, the video of the, the last finisher going across and just doing I, I've seen it at Hard Rock. Uh, two different times and, and uh, maybe another hundred miler where somebody is just like cannot stand up straight and it's just coming through. And I saw that video with like 13 seconds to go or 15 seconds to go. That, that must've been, I, I think I would have been crying that, 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 that oh, was yeah, amazing. Yeah. a wobble going back on the very last step. <laughs> <laughs> Some spotters behind him in case he went down. Yeah. I heard everybody yelling, don't touch him, don't touch him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they were so good. No one touched him from all the way at like Roby. Everyone just ran by him, but. Wow. Wow. It was a long run. (laughs) So, so Emily, tell us, tell us a bit about your lead up to Western States. Maybe even start with uh, where you live and uh, what what you've been up to these last few years. You know, you don't don't take like an hour or anything, but uh, (laughs) tell us about uh, tell us about yourself. Let us uh, uh, paint a picture of how you got to Western States for us. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm originally from Zimbabwe. My family is all over there still. I was living up in Gunnison until about May, the, the beginning of May, um, doing my grad program over there. And I graduated and I kind of just went on, the, have been on the road since, um, just for the summer and don't want to pay rent <laughs> and things like that. Uh, just, yeah, kind of exploring. And then obviously with the races and hopefully going over to Europe at some point this summer, I thought not having to be in one place would be a good idea. And so 
Um, my Western States journey kind of started at the beginning of this year. Uh, and it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, I still feel like it's continuing even after the, after crossing the finish line, but I really wanted to race this year and tried to get my golden ticket in Bandera at the hundred K down there in Texas, um, earlier this year. And I missed it by one spot, got third. And so I signed up to do Black Canyon five weeks later um, and felt good, recovered really well, uh, took a crazy fall and it just kind of shifted the race from um, <laughs> from racing to surviving, but still managed to like learn a lot and use a lot of that this weekend. And then I uh, managed to get my golden ticket at the canyons race eight weeks ago got it like the last ticket <laughs> at the, for the last spot and so managed to yeah get on to the start line that's awesome at western states <laughs> yeah that's awesome and, and you know you you know living in gunnison to those that don't know this it, it's kind of like the reputation of the coldest place in colorado <laughs> And the fact that you did three golden ticket races and uh, just, I mean, just showed up and you just, just barely missing at one and having something bad happen to the other and the other, you know, the third one, you did it. You know, I think uh, as, as Kyle knows as well, you know, living in Durango, running in February, March, April to be strong and competing at these very competitive races really impressive so hats off to that and persevering and you know i i met you last year at the i'm tough where you uh, you crushed it and uh you know you're you you went to uh undergrad in in idaho out there that that, that was impressive so I, I i kind of knew from seeing you when you were leading the race at like mile five or six and i was just like who is that i knew right <laughs> then that okay this Emily girl, she, this Emily woman, she's gonna she's gonna go far and do really really well. And so it was, it was exciting to see that journey. And each time you know you went to those golden ticket races, I was like, okay, this is the one. She's gonna, you know, you're gonna pull it out and 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 be able to you know beat everybody and get that spot. So it was nice to not only see that happen, but I don't want to spoil the news, but you finished seventh lady overall uh, for for the ladies and. Uh, really placed well overall period in the race top 20 right what was your place overall 17th yeah yeah so that's that's awesome so uh, we'll get more into that story and how the actual <laughs> race went but uh K Kyle tell us how did you get to western states man what what what's what's been your journey it's it's been a it's been a few years yeah uh, yeah i was doing the math on my fingers here and had to start folding them down um i think I ran my first Western States qualifier back in 2014, definitely with the intention of getting in um, through the lottery, uh, I guess. Yeah, not that fast, especially in shorter stuff, even 100Ks. So I've ran a couple golden ticket races in the past, but never uh, really relevant in the top few spots. And uh, so I, I was hoping to get in through the lottery. And uh, in 2019, I got on the wait list and... Uh, that rolled over, or I guess, yeah. So anyway, I knew I was on the wait list to get into the next Western States. 
um, something like 20th place or so on there, which almost always gets in. So I, I kind of knew I was going to be racing this, even though I wasn't into the race until about two months before it finally uh, rolled down to my spot on there. Um, so yeah, it's a journey of about seven years of just running qualifiers and going through the lottery process to get into this race. Seven years, man. That's that's awesome. That, that's great. And you know, you 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 said, oh, you know, you you didn't get in a golden ticket, but I mean, let's not downplay. You know, I I've run with you in Durango. I know you're fast and you're <laughs> you you've got some amazing climbing skills. And and I think your special talent is to kick ass in that that kind of grind gear. And uh, you know, you are you know, the winner of the uh, Tahoe 200, uh, you know, you did an unsupported FKT around the Tahoe Rim Trail. And also this summer, you're in the kind of like Super Bowl of two, you know, longer than 100 mile races and Tour de Jeans. So I think it's really, really awesome that you were able to come to this race, Western States, which is kind of you know, it's not a hard rock. It's not a, uh, you know, you know, high lonesome or a, a really super technical, long grinder kind of race. And, you know, you, you kicked some ass, man. You were able to, to get, you know, top 10 at Western States. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, very much in, in training for this is uh, a mindset shift because a lot of the terrain we have dictates that you hike a lot of the uphills and then you run the flats and downhills. And training for this is definitely trying to stick to flatter terrain and just the mantra of run every step just to try to get used to actually running and getting some turnover and uh, mm-hmm. not get into that super just grinded out gear. And uh, it worked pretty well. I was, I was happy with being able to run throughout the whole race all the way through the finish. So, Emily, uh, both of you guys are top 10 finisher Western State both live in a place that is not hot, quite the opposite. And also you both have kind of backgrounds in running, um, you know, mountainous, gnarly stuff. How, how, how did you pull it off, Emily? Yeah, I think that's funny. Cause I, <clears throat> I thought about that, uh, later on, like when you're going back over the race and like Kyle, like this isn't really my, like a style race. I'm definitely a grinder too. And <laughs> the mental side is my strong side. Um, like I'll say it, I mean, just having the training <clears throat> and understanding going into it, that it's a lot of running, but also it didn't have to be like a lot of flat out running. So it did feel like a 50 K that never ended, but <laughs> uh, as long as you could like keep running, even if it was super slow running, you were doing good. You were moving forward. It was all about making decisions. Um, obviously, you know, that's so cool, Kyle, that you've done like all those big races and making those important decisions early on of like how much to push, when to eat, when to take it, you know, water and nutrition and stuff. And I think that really definitely helped me get to the finish. Like I was prepared from the start thinking about the end, like what I would need later on and dealing with that stuff while I could, while it was cool, while the legs were fresh, all of that. <clears throat> and making like maybe some tougher choices in terms of like pulling back on the pace. Um, just making sure that I could get to the end and have legs to run on probably the most runnable section, which is the last 22 miles. 
Well, let, let's back up a little farther. Like you're you're in Gunnison, it's negative ten outside, and you love to run steep mountains. Tell us how you set yourself up for success, not only in the Golden Ticket, but also running, you know, a hundred degree weather in a runnable hundred mile. How how did how did you get to that point of showing up at Western, ready to be in top ten shape, like? Tell us about your coach. Tell us about your training philosophy. Tell us how you got used to being hot. Yeah. Well, I did travel a lot. So with the three races, I managed to get out to every course before the race and actually get on the course. Um, So that was really good. And I think that was a key part. Um, Just like you said, getting away from the snow and being in those high mountains, I, I couldn't like replicate what I needed to do up in Gunnison um, without like running on the roads. And I just knew that would beat my body up, which I didn't want to do <laughs> if I potentially had to run 300 Ks and then a hundred miler. And so it just came down to have to travel. And luckily <clears throat> um, with Adidas, they have been such a huge support and made that like possible. Um, yeah. And then I just would work, <laughs> do all my schoolwork on the road and, in airports and stuff so that was fun uh the heat luckily it's been hot like I came out to California pretty much from Memorial Day until the week before or two weeks before the race then I went up to Idaho um to help put on a race up there and then uh and it was super hot up there too it was like 98 degrees on the Saturday um that Paul's race was running. And so that was cool. I was actually really cool because Jimmy Elam was racing and won the 108K up there. And I I like ran a mile with him coming down on the road when he was coming in like six miles from the finish. And he's just hauling ass, like crushing it. And it's super hot. And he just has like a waist belt on. <laughs> and... I was like, how are you handling this? Like, how's it been feeling all day? And he was like, I have just like kept my femoral artery cold all day and I feel great. He said, I, you know, he was smart and raced hard um, up in the high country too. And so that was cool. Just kind of taking tips from there. And obviously like I put all the aid station supplies together and stuff like that. And Paul, is very used to this heat and seeing Western States and how it's run and um, what needs to be done. And so having all that ice and water available for the runners there uh, gave me a really good idea of what needed to be done here on the course. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. You really did do your, your homework and you, you traveled and, and you, know, you, you, got heat acclimated and I know you have amazing coaches uh, that that you work with Kyle I, I don't remember you going to hot places and stuff but there there you are ninth 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 guy at Western states what, what, what did you what did you do and how did it work out man and, and I tell us a little bit about your journey to Western states this last few weeks here uh, I think I mean I knew I was gonna run it for a while Um and so this winter it really started out um, just getting in some faster stuff, doing some track workouts once a week or so, and starting that early. Um, but you're right, I didn't travel to heat. Um, I actually had some vehicle issues over the last couple of weeks. I was really hoping to be out at Western States about three weeks before, 
Um, but I uh, am now without a vehicle. And so I, I wasn't able to get out to Western States until the Thursday before the race. But uh, luckily in Durango, I mean, for me at least, it was fairly hot. And uh, I was just doing most of my runs in the, the afternoon when it was as hot as it could be. And I think we got some days in the upper 90s. So I was at least prepared for some of the heat, not quite what it was on race day. But that was something I, I only really prepared for the heat in the last two weeks or so. I just, yeah, didn't really travel anywhere to, to get too hot. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot more as far as training, just doing faster runs as far as like opposed to trying to prepare for the weather. <laughs> Did either of you go into Western States this year with like a set plan? This is how I'm going to approach the race. Or did you keep it kind of fluid knowing that there was no telling what might happen on race day or I kind of was following the social media a little bit afterwards. And it seemed like a lot of people stuck to race plans that weren't really consistent with the course conditions for the day. At least for me very early on, I, I really thought on a, a good day I could run somewhere around 1630 and just coming into the first aid station, I was something like 12 minutes off pace already. And it was like, okay, that's not going to happen today. Just kind of take it easy through here and, and try to save your legs for the back end of the race and, and see what happens. It's going to be a really hot day and there's a good chance a lot of people will blow up in this. Could be, it could have been the hottest year ever. The forecast was saying 102 in Auburn, which I think is right up there with as hot as it's ever been. Yeah, um, I kind of had a race plan, but I've watched so many of these Western States videos that say that shit happens out there. <laughs> so I was prepared from the start to make adjustments and every, I, I mean, I had to make decisions. I think I had backup plans the whole time, but I never had like a set time or anything like that. Definitely. Um, like you said, like with the weather, just taking it as it comes and um, adjusting as needed was key. Did it feel like a war of attrition out there, basically? Yeah, from the start. <laughs> um, I think everyone who was smart from the start and got on it early did good. Um, because it's hard to dig yourself out of a hole in a race that quick. <clears throat> I was a little bit back right from the start. I was never in that front lead pack, um, and I really didn't have a good read on where I was placement-wise through most of the race. So I, I was just not that worried about where I was for the most part and just kind of moving as best I could and trying to have the best day that I could and without worrying about the rest of the field too much. Um, but I, I think I was doing all right, especially coming into like Michigan Bluff, Forest Hill area. It became pretty evident that, all right, a lot of people are, are not having good days out here. Um, and uh, then I started hearing some place numbers that were encouraging. <laughs> yeah. uh, tell me, you know, Western States is, is, is like, it is this, you know, the Super Bowl of, of ultra for the United States, for sure. Close second to, let's say, UTMB or, or similar, you know. What, uh, and, and I know, Kyle, you've run UTMB and now have done Western States. How do you describe the difference between those two races and, and maybe some of the similarities? And what, what did it feel like? And what was the experience as far as that kind of like, you know, obviously waiting seven years, 
uh, to, to run, you know, th- this race creates a lot of excitement and anticipation and, you know, Jim Walmsley being there and, and, and pretty much, I mean, incredible fields on both sides. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, that excitement and that hype and that, uh, how, how it felt during the race before, after, what what was the experience like, man? How 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 was it digest? If you've had a little bit of time to digest this, what what what's what what are you thinking and feeling now about afterwards? I remember, especially the day before the race, in that mandatory uh, racer meeting, and they bring up all the potential front runners, and it's like, oh, this is this is most of the good runners I've ever heard of, all all <laughs> ready to toe the line tomorrow. Um, so it's a little intimidating and uh, just a really awesome experience to be a part of, to kind of be able to, you know, have the stage to, to put it out there. Um, you know, there's so much preparation, you know, years of preparation and, um, just kind of going through your mind, how you think the day is going to go and, um, just trying not to get too excited. Really. I, I know I was just downplaying a lot of what I was feeling just to try to keep my nerves down and, be able to sleep the night before and, and make sure I'm taking care of myself rather than getting caught up in the moment too much as far as, like Emily was saying, just staying on top of nutrition and hydration and, and not thinking about racing so much in the beginning is just like getting through the difficult segments and, and still having your running legs for later on in the race. What, how is it different than UTMB? How would you compare those two? obviously each race is different for you and, and, uh, you know, being in the top 10 is, is absolutely a special experience in of itself, but, uh, compare and contrast. Uh, UTMB was great as far as like, there's so many small towns along the ways and the community in that part of Europe really comes out to support the race. There's people cheering along the whole way. Um, but really what made, um, Western States pretty special is that, over you know a decade of racing ultras, I've developed a lot of relationships with a, a ton of people in the sport, and just seeing so many of them on course, and uh, you know, like saw Luis Escobar at the bottom of the canyons and uh, got a hug from him, and it's just a really uh, spiritually lifting moment in the race. Just you know, knowing that's one of the tougher climbs in the race, and seeing a, a buddy I've seen at different difficult times in, in the past, and uh, it's just uh, really uplifting. To, to see friends and, and fellow competitors out there versus Europe. It was, uh, you know, as a, I didn't know most of the people there and um, was less a part of the, the community of that race. How about for you, Emily? You know, you've been to Ultra Trail Cape Town where, you know, you had an amazing performance. How, how was the hype and the, the excitement and, and the feeling? I, I know that like COVID for the last year, year and a half now, is 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 made this is this is my assumption you know watching from the outside but everybody was excited to be back um everybody's excited to be back in, in a lot of different ways and i think you know especially you know there wasn't a lot of international especially guys uh on the on the women's side you know there's a few how did it feel for you emily and and, and how did it compare to what you thought it might be like tell us about that western states excitement yeah, so I mean, obviously, like with my coach and Cody and them talking about Western States for since I met them, I mean, I've kind of like 
come down to the trails and really ima- try to imagine what it would be like. Um, and it was just different in certain ways, but then similar and of what I thought it would be like. But the whole time, like even right now, I don't really believe it happened. <laughs> um, like it was such a big journey to get there, which I'm sure Kyle feels like too, that I know there's going to be a section when I'm driving back or driving on the road today that I have to pull over and like cry for an hour or something because it'll finally hit me that it actually happened. And we, we raced that course that we've been working hard to get to, um, that everyone's had this big personal journey to get to. And I think like Kyle said, like there were so many people out there and even just from one year of doing these races and, um, trying to you know trying to get a golden ticket like there's so much community out there that is watching and supporting you and at Weston like they have the opportunity to be there and it was like the perfect time to post-COVID I know like we raced the first race post-COVID Jason like up in Idaho and that was so different we came into aid stations and put masks on and had hand sanitizer and had our crews spread out way up the road and this was like nothing we were back to normal and it was so cool it was so exciting to have everyone there and giving high fives and hugs and having tommy reeves like way back in there taking pictures and you know staying safe you know saying stay safe out there and it was just like i think uh, yeah it was just so special it was like it was like those first nine miles we shared at i am tough over a hundred miles this weekend it was it was pretty wild. It was cool. <laughs> Being able to give hugs to people is uh, just that embrace was so uplifting. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just really felt good going in and out of aid stations to have have that support. Yeah, it was it was amazing and like, yeah, and I, over in Europe, I well, this I know this is obviously like we were racing and stuff, but it did just feel like we got to see all our friends. <laughs> <laughs> like at the beginning I was running with uh Kat Drew and I was like this just feels like we get to go out for a big long run <laughs> with all our friends from all over the world <laughs> today and it was really special yeah it was cool I haven't been over to UTMB um Cape Town is the same vibe which is really amazing there's a lot of support out there and they see you at the aid stations a lot um, it's hot, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've definitely had that like far in a feel when I've been over in Europe at like some of the sky races and things like that. And Western States doesn't really have that. Everyone is super excited. I think even the people coming in at golden hour, like feel like they are the rock stars of the race. And that's really special. <laughs> Beautiful. That, that, that's wonderful. As you've mentioned, both of you, that Western states, you know, mile per mile terrain being 100 degrees doesn't, it, it, I'm going to make this assumption, isn't what brought you to Western states. It is the community. It is the competition. It is the reputation. And then to have that culminate with, you know, being able to have a full on race where, you know, you can get support and and, and and the hugs that that propel you forward and you know i i could see both of you guys it, it's smiling and it just just so happy and glowing for that and you know as you are both top 10 
is it safe to say that you know you are just as excited for next year? Um, that's really difficult to say now. I, as far as the, the course goes, I, I know the beginning was really great. Uh, we got a sunrise. You could look back over Lake Tahoe. Um, that was beautiful. And then a little bit in the high country right after that, I was able to look around. Um, but it, it was a little more technical of a route than I was anticipating. So I mostly just looked six to 10 feet in front of my feet and saw a whole bunch of rocks. Um, I, I couldn't say oh, what else the kind of view looked like. But you're right. We're not. Uh, I wouldn't say the course is so much what drew me out here as far as the much more the competition and the community and the history behind the race are all what appealed to me the most. Yeah, I think that history is is so cool. I've like found a couple other races around the world that like the towns and the they were kind of built around that, you know, the race, not really, but. They do, and that community really comes alive when the race is happening every year. And that's definitely a Western States um, highlight is the community is so excited. There are so many volunteers out there, and it is just, yeah, it's just amazing. It just makes you smile out there, even if it's super tough, because there's so much history. There's so many people who've walked those steps before us. And, yeah, then there is, like, the sunrise and the moon setting and all the different terrain. It's such a varied course, which is really uh, special. I am super stoked for next year. I <laughs> I got to the end of the line and I was like, okay, I'm ready for next year. I learned so much today. <laughs> Let's I definitely go. learned a ton out there. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm already just contemplating what I would do different next year. And uh, yeah, excited to get back for sure. What are your biggest takeaways from this year's race? <laughs> Do you want to start? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've, I've uh, fully developed those thoughts yet. It was a different course than I thought. Just based on the times and reading some race reports and that kind of stuff, I thought it would be much more runnable. But a lot of the ups and downs are, are pretty punchy. And so it'd be like jogging along and then come to an incline that I have to walk up for two minutes and, and then you can get back to running less of what I thought it'd be just kind of like this gradual grade that you just have to really push up to get through. And it's almost like you get to this little punchy climb and it's not even a choice. It's, Oh, I'm walking this, even in a training run, I'm walking this. So there's no way I'm doing it on race day. Even on like a cool day, you'd walk that. It didn't have anything to do with the heat. It was just the train was a little steeper than you expected. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if I'd use the word steeper. There was very a ton of runnable stuff on it, but at least a lot of the climbs were less runnable than I thought. You know, following the race, I remember Hayden Hawks was really close with Jim in the beginning there and then kind of had some rough sections. And I read that he was really looking forward to the more runnable section and that he was kind of like getting worn out from some of these technical and from some of the climb and descent stuff that 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 is, that is surprising and i think that oftentimes the times of being 14 15 16 hours for uh for for a lot of the fast guys and gals depending on the year uh i we, we just we just kind of forget about maybe this section i've never seen it but from what you guys are describing it's uh it, it, it's a factor i guess yeah yeah, the first 30 miles is so different to the rest of the course. And, if, I mean, it's a net downhill course, but you still have 16,000 feet of vert to climb. 
it's got to come somewhere. (laughs) One of the race reports I read split it up into three sections. It's the the high country section, then the canyon section, and then I forget what they called the last section, but I remember it's like the runnable section. And uh, I mean, they... The steep parts were definitely steep. Going through the canyons, it, it reminded me a lot of Halfland, which is like our local steep winter training hill. Um, I mean, there was one mile that was almost 1,000 feet in gain coming out of the canyon. Um, and that's that's about as steep as trails go before you get into off-trail stuff. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. So, okay, so what are you both going to be doing uh, later in the year? I think I might have mentioned what, what your big goal is, Kyle, but uh, Emily, what's next for you? Are, are you going to take a break after, you know, 300 Ks and 100 mile, or are you going to press on and start power hiking up high in, in uh, Crested Butte, or what, what races do you have coming? Yeah, so because it's post-COVID and I had all these races planned for 2020, I have all these entries to these races overseas, um, but most of them I've managed to defer to like 2022 but UTMB, I still have on the calendar, um, just trying to see how the body responds and what we can do. I mean, it's super nice. It's a lot different to Wisin, and hopefully I can play in the mountains a lot more. It won't be hot. <laughs> and, be hot. Yep, yeah, it won't be hot, true. Um, and if it is, I'm prepared. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of the next race there um if i end up dropping down to one of the shorter race shorter distances maybe but right now i feel really good awesome how about you kyle man are you going to do some races before you you do the big one and and just tell us about this this monster that 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 that, uh scares scares the hell out of me man (laughs) i am not signed up for any more races i kind of just have mostly adventures just on on the plan for the rest of summer until the Tour de Giants, um, this 330-kilometer loop in Italy that I keep hearing some huge numbers, but somewhere between like 70 and 90,000 feet again. And uh, it'll be a big hike in the mountains. And uh, yeah, no American's ever won it. Um, so there's been, uh, I don't know, that'd be a, a great goal to go out there and, and see see what I can do on a a longer difficult course it's twice as long as hard rock and over and steeper than hard rock so it's uh how you how's your pole (laughs) how's hiking with your poles (laughs) yeah i I do it a lot um i have a quite a bit of hiking background um i like hiked the appalachian trail back in 2015 and have done the colorado trail and some of that stuff so that's definitely in my wheelhouse um but I don't think that steepness is in many people's wheelhouse for a Tour de Giants. So we'll find out in September. That's so cool. Good luck. Thank you. We'll share some of the same miles. I, I think it goes uh, some of the same trails near Cormier oh, okay. as cool. UTMB. Yeah. Awesome. That that that's incredible, and you know, just it's it's interesting that you both have that parallel of being in you know the Rocky Mountains, in uh, Colorado, and preparing for Western states, and uh, you both consider yourselves kind of mountain runners, and getting surprised by a little bit of the, the technical at Western. Now you both are going to go reset and have a, a summer transition here, 
and go to the Aosta Valley and Mount Blanc and go and, and crush these, uh, these, this different kind of race. So it, that, that's exciting. And, and the other thing that I, you both are, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I both are coaches working with athletes. And I think you both have a similar background too. Kyle, you went to Fort Lewis for exercise physiology, right? Correct. Yeah. And then Emily, tell us what work you just finished up in at, at Western State. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I got my undergrad in Idaho in exercise physiology too, and then went to Western Colorado University in Gunnison and did their high altitude exercise physiology program. And my thesis was actually on uh, the individual response of trail runners at 7,700 feet. Um, and they were all living in Boise, Idaho. So tell us a little bit about uh, your thesis work and, and what you you kind of uh, discovered a little bit with that. I, I think it's it's very pertinent and applicable for, for uh, so many uh, mountain runners. T- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think the most, mostly it was actually from like being coached from a young age and then, you know, taking on coaching myself and, um, really understanding that like block plans and things like that don't really work for individuals like everyone responds so differently when you pick up a research paper like there's conclusions <laughs> there is generally a note that says but like so and so responded like this or this percentage of the group didn't even see any response or something like that but we still have people like making these bold claims and coming out with these big ideas on how, you know, people should eat or and what they should eat or how they should train and how exactly how much rest they should take and all of these things. And yes, we need guidance in terms of like how to put together training plans and things, but so much is individual and paying attention to what an individual needs is so important. And I, I yeah, it's just injuries are so much reduced if we can do that and so I the biggest thing was to show that there was such a big difference between the individuals and there was like I had only like five subjects and trying to make like (laughs) conclusions of like this is how someone responds when they come to altitude was kind of a fail which was the whole point of the process was that like we're all so different we can live in the same place and eat the same food and still respond differently <laughs> incredible yeah incredible that's it it, it is true and it, it's it's neat to, uh I, I all four of us on this podcast are coaches and and to see the different mm-hmm. variation in people and, and diet and stimulants as far as you know volume and intensity and and you know doing doubles and there are just so many things and it's mm-hmm. That that's what that's what makes it beautiful and creative and interesting to me. I I, I that's I, that's that's part of the big part of the fun. So that, that yeah, thanks for sharing about that. And yeah. like Emily said, I mean, you had five subjects. There's just not a ton of people who are doing these sports. There's not a, a large base to draw off of. So it's really interesting to see what people try and what works for some people. And uh, that's one of the things that really interests me in the sport is. Uh, you know you hear crazy things about guys running 100 miles without any food or and then you know (laughs) other ends of the spectrum too just it's uh it's an exciting sport for sure yeah you get 
you get the same feedback from two different people. One might be on the carnivore diet and the other one's on a completely plant-based diet. <laughs> and they're both like, I've never felt better in my life or recovered better or performed better physically or cognitively. And it becomes really interesting. Kyle, what do you do? Do you, do you work with your athletes on figuring out nutritional strategies for life and training and how those influence one another? And how do you kind of dial that stuff in? Um, less so of that aspect. I do much more like training plan kind of things. I, I do think that's incredibly important, just balancing your rest with your food and um, when you're training and just listening to your body, I think is, is so important. Just like Emily says, everybody is going to react differently to different stimulus and, uh, I mean, if I went and tried to follow Jim Walmsley's training plan, I would just be in a hospital. There's no way I could do it. So, um, you just have to do what works well for you and adjust as you go along the way, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've, we've discussed this, uh, Jason and I, on this podcast uh, a number of times and kind of repeating myself. But, you know, looking back, uh, you know, I've been in the sport since 2010 or so. And, you know, coming into the sport, there were no coaches, you know, there were really, you know, Scott Jurek was the first sponsored professional runner, you know, and he lived in Boulder when I was there and was, uh, you know, still competitive and, and to look at what he did versus, you know, about the same time, Sage Candidate coming in from the road aspect uh, and what he did and, and being vegan and being way more into uh, speed work. And then to look at Tony, you know, Anton Krupichka, who is out there, basically his training program was to go and do as much vert and as many hours and volume as he possibly could every day. And, you know, to see that kind of variation and, and, and you know, it, obviously there are some faults with Tony's approach, but like, you know, it, it's, it's such a wild west of of endurance athletics you know you look at um you know let's say the sprints or or the uh you know 400 meter hurdles or something like that and the the variation in how you can train and get to the finish line and be a professional or or finish uh not to mention the fact that you know races are you know 10 20 30 hours long you know, the, the way to get success is so wildly varied and it's such craziness that in, you know, 2010, 2020 still, there is so much, um, so much room for different styles and, and it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and granted, I, I do believe we've come a long way in those last 10 years and figured out a lot, you know, with, with coaching principles and philosophies like David's versus maybe working with, you know, your coach, Emily, or, or taking approach that Jim Walmsley takes. It's still crazy to see how much there is, but, uh, you know, we're honing in and, and taking some of those outliers of ridiculousness out. Not too many people are doing the gym plan and not too many people are taking the Tony plan, but, uh, it's, uh, it, it's great to be involved and it's great to hear your guys' insight on, on how you see and perceive it as well. It definitely, I watched a uh, Ultimate Fighting documentary a couple weeks ago where they talked about the early days of the sport and you'd have like karate masters and wrestlers and all different types go into the arena at the same time. And it, it makes me think of that so much, especially getting into the end of the race. And uh, I remember like 
catching up to, to Alex Nichols and thinking like, this guy can run like a four minute mile. Like I definitely have to have some space on him by the end of the race or he's going <laughs> to catch me. I just, so it's, it's really cool to see all these different styles come into race such a, such a long race. Yeah. And even finding that, like everyone's different, but <laughs> um, the, like the balance of like, how much everyone works or school or things like that, like taking all that side of things into account, like that's very prevalent in our sport. Like if you have someone who's on their feet all day with a job, their training looks so much different to, you know, gym or someone because you just can't do that. You can't stand on your feet all day and then pound your legs for three hours at night. It just, it's not like sustainable. And I think most of us want to be running when we're, 60 or 70 or 80 and so taking that yeah taking that into account is like huge and that's what makes it like we can still do that we just have to be really smart (laughs) i would venture to say the one factor that we haven't really hit on that is so huge in our sport and that is the mental emotional uh perseverance grit positive attitude, craziness. There's a whole bunch of names for it, right? And that aspect, that's what makes it where somebody that can't run a four-minute mile or maybe, uh, you know, can't do, you fill in the blank, it makes up for it because when it comes down to it, oftentimes a winning 100-mile pace is in, in, in the realm that it's, it's really about just, you know, gutting it out, getting that shit done. And, uh, you know, there's all the factors that you need to, to pay attention to and getting there successfully. But I believe that mental, emotional craziness factor is, is something special that uh, still is relevant in 2021 20, at Western States. There's a lot of gaming that goes into it, too. Um, I, one of my favorite moments during the race um, is coming into crossing the river. I was in 12th place. And uh, I saw 11th place was at the aid station at the river. And so I just wanted to look real strong at the aid station. Just uh, I didn't fill up a bottle. I just uh, I just took a gel and was on the way and was real quick about doing it. And then uh, saw my crew on the other side and we're we're hiking up together. And I hear that uh, Max King is is sitting in the aid station and he's number 10. He's M10. Um, So my crew is whispering in my ear, just. Just look strong through this aid station. You got him. That'll he'll be done for the day if you. He doesn't want to try to catch you if you run strong through this aid station. So there's a lot of that into the race too. It's not just what's the best time you can put out. It's like Emily was saying earlier, when to push and when to look strong, and I, I, that's a really fun part of the the sport and of this race, especially for me. I love that. Yes, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been completely demoralized in a race when I get past like. 30 miles in or something like that. It's just like, uh, I had nothing, <laughs> no response. Yeah. And on the other side, it's very uplifting to, to be on the other side, being able to pass people and having kind of the energy you get from moving up through the field. Indeed. We can all be so delicate at certain points in the race and uh you know, <laughs> 
being um, being able to play those games is 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 important. One one thing I take from my coach is uh, to take to take gratitude and positive attitude and 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 also congratulatory motivation. Mm-hmm. I think that that oftentimes it turns itself around and 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 fuels yourself. It's a performance enhancer because you're being positive, even though you want to look over and say please die. Do not even think about <laughs> running faster. Please just, just slow down. But instead say, Hey, I hope the best for you. Keep doing, you know, you're so strong. Uh, Max King, man, you pull out that 214. You've got it. And you know what, that, that like turns that negative, you know, doubt in your mind and in your space. And it, 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 mm-hmm. it really, really, you know, rockets you forward and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm going to take out the negative that I'm thinking and feeling towards you and also my doubt. And instead, I'm going to say, hey, you're awesome. I hope the best for you and smile. And then all of a sudden, you know, it results in something special for yourself. And uh, I think that the, the, the morality of that is, is wonderful. And, and Max knows that you want him to die. And uh, even if you say the most beautiful, wonderful thing and uh, ask for a, a signature uh, autograph on your shirt, but still, you know, he knows you, you want him to, to, to not exist. Yeah. I told my crew, just kill him with kindness. Just, Oh, where are you from? You, t- you look great out there. Keep it going. I'm sure I'll see you later down the, down the trail. <laughs> that always works for me anyway. Exactly. It's good. Good, good for you. Well, what what are your tips, Emily? I, I've never you you are quite a a happy, smiley, kind kind of human being. Like, what kind of things do you think about with your competition and how to to keep your mind in the right place? Definitely, smiling is huge. I think, like, the more you can involve your community too, like we've been talking about community this whole time, and coming into an aid station and you come in with a smile they respond a lot more energetically as well and kind of push you out of those aid stations um, with a little more fire and it's pretty exciting. Um, Yeah, I think that life is too short and if you can't support each other out there or support the people you're competing against, that kind of like takes away from the whole experience of racing. Um, I don't think I would really like that. (laughs) I've had races where people have like fallen over and people have run over me and I didn't like that at all. I thought, you know, why not stop and pick someone up? I think that's a big part of who we are that makes us human. And um, that really fills everyone's spirit. And there's wins across the board in different ways um, on races when that approach is taken. And like, you know, Max was sitting there when I went by and, um, he was super encouraging. Like my pacer had been like, Max, Max, come with us. Like, <laughs> come run with us. And Max was like, I'm not going anywhere, but look after Emily. And so, you know, he was in that positive mood of like supporting someone else to go achieve something big. Um, even if he, you know, had just done what he could that day and couldn't take another step forward. So I think that community is huge. And those are the moments we remember forever. Um, the finish line is big, but getting there is like pretty special <laughs> and kind of going through all these thoughts and ideas and um, sharing it out there, sharing, you know, conversation and 
Um, like for I Am Tough, like the first nine miles, talking to that pack of guys out there. And uh, those, I'll never forget those nine miles. Like that was such a big part of the race for me. Um, yeah, I think supporting each other out there is huge. And um, like you said, like passing people is inspiring. <laughs> it's, it helps you. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, you can you can support people and still do so great. <laughs> Well said, Emily. Yeah, those those first uh, miles of I'm Tough was was probably the most magical in in a lot of ways for myself. Uh, you know, after that, it was mm-hmm. it was completely by myself the whole time. So mm-hmm. it, it's so great to to have that experience. So I appreciate both you and Kyle uh, <laughs> and, and our community that still has that core value. I hope it stays partly because our event requires so much mental fortitude, mm-hmm. encouragement, teamwork, positive attitude that, uh, you know, I hope it's, it, it stays for that reason, but also it's because it's the family and, and it's, it's, it's where we are spending so much as coaches, um, as your degree program, uh, as race directors, as, uh, you know, podcasters, uh, that, that, that's part of the reason I put that much time and energy. And I know Jason and I and, and Mallory, that's, that's why we're here as well. So thank you. And, and since this is like the Super Bowl of, of ultra running, it's just, I mean, these are the, the all-stars of the sport. So it's, I mean, it's really cool to get to talk to him for a little bit. You're running along this iconic course. It's, you don't want to just ignore the opportunity to, to talk to some of these people who knows if you'll see them again or, or when that would be um, definitely take, not taking that for granted and didn't take that for granted this year and really uh, enjoyed the short little conversations as uh, we went along the course. I knew uh, me and Emily shared just a, a little bit of time on Cal street going down to the river. Um, and it is really cool to, you know, see the whole women's, top 10 field and uh you know like n- there's no other way to see that unless you're running the race to like get to talk to people during the race and see how they're feeling and and how the race is actually playing out in real time that's uh what they're hoping to get from the live stream and and you get to do it while you're racing well said. yeah you're probably the only guy i was excited to see because <laughs> <laughs> you're coming up behind us and i was like oh no <laughs> is this one of the girls <laughs> <laughs> there was you and I was super excited <laughs> but yeah I, that's so true and like even when Matt was having such a rough day early on like I jogged with him for a couple minutes because it was like yeah this is Matt Daniels like what the heck <laughs> this is awesome <laughs> get to share a minute of my time <laughs> very very nice very awesome. I, I appreciate both of you guys sharing with us and, and the community on how it felt and how special it really was. And that, you know, it wasn't a whole bunch of hype, but it was actually that experience that you just described. What a gift to be able to to be there, run it and be in the top 10. So thank you very much, both of you. Yeah, that's been really special. Thank you for having us on. You bet. Great. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Yeah, we, we appreciate the stories and the insights. I think my big takeaway from this is run your own race. You know, we, we had a saying in 
the military that no no plan survives first contact with the enemy. So you have to be agile, prepared to problem solve, and not afraid to change your plan or or like dial back on whatever your expectations were. And I, and so it sounds like you did a great job of not getting attached to any sort of expectations or outcomes and instead see what the day has for you and, and just manage yourself in a way that it stays reasonable. That seems to have been the winning strategy anyway for this year's Western States race. Yeah, you said that much so more eloquently than I could have. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. That was perfect. I appreciate it. Super last minute and you guys are tired. Maybe you'd be rather have, having a, a pina colada or a drink of water and napping or something. So appreciate it, guys. That'll be I'll fun. I'll do all that today too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Days young. Yeah. Uh, nice. Nice. You'll have yeah, to. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Yeah, Emily. And if you're, okay. if you're um, October 9th, in between Kyle's house and my house is uh, the Missionary Ridge, and there's a half marathon on October 9th that we're putting on that mm-hmm. uh, would love to have you come out if you're in the Colorado zone, even if you're just jogging it or something. Yeah. The Durango Fall Classic. So come come play sometime. <laughs> but I, I hope to see you before then. Okay. I'll write it down. Come via, uh, visit Felix and I. And That's Kyle, cool, like I said, uh... is, is literally just down the street. Sweet. Get back to some more disc golf here next week. <laughs> yes. I'm excited. I'm What's excited. Durango. Durango Fall Classic. The website hasn't been published That's yet, but we called. just yeah. we just got yeah. off the, the phone with Ultra and they're they're jumping in <laughs> in ultimate direction and uh yeah, yeah, it should be fun and good. It's it's almost almost three thousand feet climb up to ten thousand across the ridge and it's Aspen Grove but it's still low enough that uh, it's reliable to do a trail race in the beginning of October. Yeah. There's even camping and it'll be fun. So you hope you can come Kyle. I'm expecting you to come. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did did, uh, quite a few of my long runs on missionary Ridge in in that loop. That was a regular part of the plan. Yeah. You run it more than I do. So sweet. Cool. Enjoy your week. Rest up. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast player. And to keep up with our Run Beyond races and the crazy antics we're up to, follow us on social media at the Run Beyond Experience.